Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Where we left FODs last, we were hanging off of a cliff. Oh yeah, we were we were cliff kids just like the FODs this time. I want to talk to you about, as cliffs go, how this one felt compared to the others. I think the easiest comparison is best of both worlds. It's definitely trading on the the best of both worlds vibes. If you had to endure an entire summer with the last thing you ever saw was like Janeway, Borgified. <laughs> do you feel like it's more or less shocking given what Picard went through? Like like do you think it I think it went against the shock doing this again to a beloved captain? Yes. And I think when you saw Borg Picard, it was so scary. And Janeway looked so silly at the end of the last episode that it it undercut itself two different ways. It was like, it felt warmed over, but also like, not, it's like, oh, like, yeah, we're going to do this again and execute it less well. It is with that kind of feeling I went into this episode, you know? Yeah. Like, there's every opportunity to make this scary and in some ways gross the way <laughs> being on a Borg ship would be gross. Yeah. But many times they just chose against those possibilities. Wouldn't you say? I think they go harder at the beginning of this episode than they did at the end of the last episode. Uh-huh. Oh, and we should say this is a special episode. This is a uh, an Eyes Uncovered episode, so we will be peppering Tamarian-style metaphors all throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. But do you remember that thing? I, I really don't even know what it was. I only had the vaguest knowledge that it existed in some way. In the 90s, there was this thing where they would make parodies of famous movies and all the characters would be like a guy's thumb, but with like human eyes and mouth comped onto it. Like there was like a, a Star Wars with thumbs. I feel like there was like thumb of a bunch of different stuff. Is that the Quiznos thing? Like the Quiznos commercial thing? I, I don't know the Quiznos commercial thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I might not be picking up what you're putting down. Oh, you didn't see th- Thumb Wars. I sure didn't. Yeah, oh, so, so it, it debuted on UPN, which might be why I was aware of it, because I was probably watching UPN so that I could watch some Star Trek, and they had like a commercial for this thumb thing. Uh-huh. Anyways, I just thought that Janeway looked a bit like one of those thumbs at the end <laughs> of the last episode. <laughs> I think anytime you're you're compared to an appendage in appearance... I don't think that's ever a compliment, right? Like if you're a toe-headed boy, mm. that's not a compliment. If you're Thumbelina, <laughs> it's not good either. Man, look up Thumb Wars, by the way. <laughs> These images, so upsetting. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Thumbs shouldn't have hair. You know what? 
seem so obvious, but also so troubling, is like to shoot a movie like Thelmore's, you need to put all your hands together for hours and hours at a time. Oh, yeah. On a hot set. Feeling the warmth of other people's hands. Yeah, don't like that. While your thumb is wrapped in like a linen costume to make it look like Luke Skywalker or whatever. Yeah, I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Oh, man, the the Death Star. Do you think there's a This Ain't Thumb Wars where (laughs) those aren't thumbs? It's just thumbs going in. (laughs) One of the most beloved types of Greatest Gen episodes is today, Ben. That has eyes uncovered square. I think a lot of people were looking forward to this one. Yeah. What do you say we give the first episode of the final season of Star Trek Voyager that special treatment? (laughs) That special Dharmaki treatment. Yeah, let's do it. It's season seven, episode one, Unimatrix, zero part two. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) After the reel to catch us up, on where we've been over the summer. We're back on that armored Borg's cube with our, yeah. our newly, our freshly assimilated Tuvok. I was calling it the beef cube in my, uh, in my notes because it's all beefed up. Oh, I was thinking as in uh, bullion. Yeah, I, that's kind of what it evokes when I look at it on the page now, but mm-hmm. then I was thinking of it as like, uh, you know... <laughs> Like a like a Bronzone arm, you know? I gotta get a pump. The big surprise revealed here that they saved for part two is that Tuvok and team are aware. They aren't assimilated assimilated. They're like wearing the clothing of the assimilated. Yeah, and this just pisses the BQ off because she's like, my culture is not your costume. Yeah. Pretty ugly what they find uh, appealing. I think that this would have been an interesting cliff to hang us off of. Like when Lotufus starts walking around and meets up with BLT and reveals that like they're in. That's exciting. Leave us there. Interesting call. Yeah. Yeah. Move your slider forward 30 seconds and then hang us off the cliff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we find out that uh, at least Tuvok and BLT are okay, but where's Janeway? They got separated. And uh, the end of our cold open really evokes Picard when his eyeball was penetrated <laughs> because the Borgs are ramming something right into Janeway's temple. This just feels dishonest, like unnecessarily dishonest. Like, We've got a, a Tuvok and a BLT like conspiring. They're not all the way Borgs. They're worried about their captain. And when we cut over to her, it seems like she's in bad shape and getting in worse shape. You see this thing go all the way in, all the way into her skull. How is she okay from this? And then they pull it out and then they put it in again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's so deep, it almost put her brain to sleep. And after the theme... We're, we're left to contemplate this with the Voyager crew. We're on the bridge, and they are really sweating out how long it's taken to hear anything from their away team. 17 minutes. Yeah. The longest turbo lift ride of my life. The EMH is, like, monitoring them. He can tell that their higher brain functions are working just fine, and the Voyager's, like, shadowing the beef cube. Yeah. I like the name beef cube. It's feeling good. 
Over in the ass lab, Seven tells Chakotay that uh, the cube is damaged, but like all Borg's cubes, it's going to fix itself with enough time. And then once it goes to transwarp, that baby's gone in just a couple hours. Gone, baby, gone. So he orders her back to sleep. That means going to the dream world of Unimatrix Zero. And uh, she resists this a little bit. Like Chakotay picks up that she's having some issues with her fellow Unimatrix Zeroians. And I guess it's just because she doesn't want to do it with that one guy. I think it's weird how much everyone knows about Seven's very specific deal. Yeah. Even though none of these people have been there. Like, Chicote hasn't been to Unimatrix Zero, right? Right. Yeah. What the fuck is he talking about? He's like, has he tried building you a tub? Is that what ruined it? Do not let this guy build you a tub. <laughs> Chicote, his tub dusty and neglected. <laughs> it's a weird feeling because like it, it's a bit like somebody waking up with amnesia and like being told like, yeah, we, we fucked all the time before you had amnesia, so we should just get back to it. It's like sort of what Axum has been pitching Seven. So I guess I can understand her hesitancy there. Right, but like the the lesson of every movie and television show that uses that storyline is that like consent is in the moment. It is not like granted the one time and then that's what you get forever and always. Like I, I would say like one of the main misses of this entire episode is how unmotivated Seven is on either side of that argument. When throughout the last episode and up to most of this episode, she's not down and then she suddenly is down, neither seems motivated. I don't quite understand her deal. Yeah, like what changed her heart on this Yeah, missed me as well. I mean, if there was ever a chance for Chakotay to like redeem himself in season seven, I mean, this could have been that moment where he's like, look, I know it's hard. Trying to find love out here so far away. Maybe you fall for the wrong person. Yeah. Maybe you've already fallen for that person. You're trying to pick up the pieces. Like, this is all backstory that that Chakotay kind of has. Yeah. He knows from unrequited. Sure does. But uh, it doesn't go there. Seven just gets on her charging mat and goes into the nighttime foresty Unimatrix Zero where... Uh, a Herogen guy is talking to Korok the Klingon and they're coordinating defense. Axum is nowhere to be found at this point. It's, it sounds like he's been missing for quite a while and a lot of people have gone missing as the BQ has rooted out her enemies and uh, eliminated their their living birdies. What do you make of the idea that these folks can appear in Unimatrix Zero you know, with their choice of costume and hairstyle and so forth. And yet, as far as defenses go, all they're left with is like sticks and <laughs> and like sticks and stone weapons, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's not going to break Borg's bones. The Klingon does not seem to have his batleth at this point. Did he like lose it? <laughs> No, and it made me wonder if, like, through the power of your imagination, could you up-armor yourself in this situation? It just seems so fruitless. Like, you see, like, these snares set up and these, like, janky-ass walls made of twigs. Like, what is that supposed to do? (laughs) I don't know. 
Karak is uh, like, this is two scenes in a row where people really know it all about Seven's deal. Right. And they're very free with giving advice. The inner fight she must battle is with her heart. Some advice from a warrior in the bedchamber as well as the battlefield. Is this a magical Klingon trope situation here? Uh, that's an that's an ugly accusation. But, I know. Uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Kind of seems like it. How many rom-coms have had the Klingon best friend that... Uh, <laughs> Never in front of the camera. I know. So they meet a guy, and he's just materialized, which means he's just fallen asleep wherever he is in the collective. And they're like, hey, so do you remember like what ship you're on or anything? And he's like, no, the virus isn't working yet. Anthony Fauci in February of 2020. <laughs> this guy just exits stage right. <laughs> He probably won a contest, right? This guy definitely <laughs> seems like a contest winner. In the beef cube, Tuvok and BLT are going around together, and they are looking for the central plexus, the thing that they need to go to to upload the virus into the broader collective. And they watch a couple of drones go through the force fields. It's like a heavily shielded area of the ship. But because they're drones in good standing, they can just walk right through it. As far as creative decisions go, I want to ask you what you would do here. If you were directing these actors, would you direct them into acting a little more Borgsish here? It sounds like I'm really coming out against this episode out of the block, and I, and I swear I'm not trying to do that, but, like, God, they aren't even trying to act Borg. <laughs> And I know to a certain extent it doesn't matter because they aren't supposed to pay attention to you until you fuck with them. Right. But like, I wish there was a little bit of code switch. Like they give BLT a little bit of that with the vocal modulation thing. And I really loved it. I think that's part of why I wanted a little more of that. American tourists, when they go to Paris, mm -hmm. Tuvok and BLT really stand out. Yeah. They're not re really trying to fake the funk. I guess they're just relying on the fact that their skin is all gray and creepy looking and they're covered in all that crap yeah. to sell the bit. But They've got so much shit on them. <laughs> too much fucking shit on me. I can't breathe. It's kind of hard to think about anything else. They come to a control area in the central plexus region of the ship and some guy is there <laughs> and they're going to have to get past him. And Tuvok's like, I'll take care of him. And he turns around, and he's a she. Yeah. <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. How is that possible? They've got the implants of some young guy. Because Borgs can be women, too. It's true. So BLT and, and the captain start getting on opening the next door, and Tuvok has a little episode here. This seems like a bad sign when the one you would assume has the, the greatest mental defenses starts to weaken here. He's hearing the voices of the collective, and that means that the neural suppressant that they're all depending on is wearing off. But he's, I think, throughout the episode, the only one for whom that happens, right? Yeah, I wondered if maybe his Vulcan neurophysiology just made made his brain like chew the suppressive up and spit it out faster or something. Yeah. I wish they'd given a little bit of 
dialogue to what might be going on here. But yeah, he seems to be the only one that's ever suffering from this. And like the board queen like detects him on the network, you know, in fits and starts. So she knows something is up here. This is like Tuvok accidentally likes a uh, a boob picture on Instagram, but like all Tuvok <laughs> was doing was was swiping. Like, right. oh God, like people That's are going to see says. that I like this. So <laughs> he tries to unheart it, Yeah, but it's too late. The queen, the queen notices that, that he's hearted her. If I know queens, they're going to notice yeah. when you, when you heart a boob picture on Instagram. Yeah. That's how it goes. I have to say the uh, additional stuff that they put on Janeway in her final form as a Borg's is much better than than what we saw at the end of the last episode. Like the stuff that they clamp onto her in the beginning of this one actually like kind of takes it past the whatever line that is and she's out of the uncanny Borg Valley. I think in addition to being better than the last episode, it's also better than Tuvok and BLT. I think part of what happens to Tuvok invites a very close up camera. Like you're you're in in very close up compositions to him while he's working out what's going on mentally. Yeah. And I don't know how many of these shows you watch, like the the Is It Cake show, where the host <laughs> is like dropping knives through igloo coolers and telephones and stuff. And maybe some of them are cake and some of them aren't. But I thought Tuvok looked like cake in a way that, that did not serve his Borg's character. Is Tuvok cake? It's a question not enough people are asking. I know. I just wanted to stab a knife through the side of his head many times this episode. <laughs> That's not a cake! We cut back to Unimatrix Zero, and a bunch of cranky-looking drones are walking around in the forest, but one of them trips on something, and it's very the sheriff's deputies when they drew first blood on John Rambo. Don't push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. This guy's such a fucking dumbass, he can't even see the log trap. Yeah. What do, you, what do you suppose your little laser eye thing is for if you can't see the log trap? The tripwire is made out of, like, thick vines. It's not even concertina. Is this what the Federation should have been doing to resist the Borgs the whole time? Like, <laughs> go to a, a log and vine-style defense? <laughs> they can't adapt to that. They go to the armory... <laughs> And they've got like rows of, of dustbusters and then rows of rifles and then just rows of logs. <laughs> yeah. You don't just throw something like this away. No, no, sir. They load up giant logs in the photon torpedo bay. <laughs> Thonk. <laughs> That's going right through a shield. They shoot it like three times and then the fourth time it goes through the, the cube but then just like sawdust comes out the other side and they go, they've adapted. <laughs> I mean, you know the Borgs have assimilated a bunch of folks with a bunch of knowledge about all sorts of things, but what I think is maybe they've never assimilated anyone who would have seen these movies. Borgs, without a basic cable subscription. <laughs> One of the people that gets caught in one of these traps is Seven of Nine, or Annika, I guess she goes by in this reality. And uh, it is Axum that comes and cuts her down. What a nice guy. Release me. Easier said than done. 
she was looking for him because uh, Karak was worried and not her. She's very specific about that. I wasn't looking for you so much as I was looking for you for Karak. Yeah. He told me to go find where you were. That's why I'm here. This continues on that tension that isn't so much will they or won't they, and it's more like they already have, but will they again? Mm-hmm. Axum seems more confident than ever that they will again, which seems like kind of a turn for him. That whole first part of this episode, he seemed pretty bummed. Do you think that maybe like off screen at some point, Axum sat down with Korok and he's like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I really want to get back with her, but like, she seems really resistant. And Korok was like, like, you just got to act confident, man. (laughs) Chicks dig that. Because he's the Klingon best friend, you know? He's, like, trying to trying to help them hook up together. Whatever happens, you will not remember <laughs> the bad times. Only the good. <laughs> so back on the beef cube, Tuvok at this point has the queen, like, sliding into his DMs all the time. This is the trouble with dropping that heart. Yeah. This is how it starts. Oof. Yeah, it's like kind of like the English is like weird enough that you're like, this is probably someone like in Russia or Moldova or somebody on the other end of this. Borg Queens is already asking for nudes. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Tuvok is thinking about baseball so he won't fully assimilate. Yeah. He looks like he's in some trouble. Janeway orders him not to be. Stay focused. Stay Tuvok. That's an order. BLT gets this door open and uh, in they go and they're in a very different feeling environment to any other Borg cube interior we've ever seen. Because it has a vanity mirror in it? Yeah, it's good. It's like, I mean, it's almost like a hall of mirrors, right? It's like, yeah. it feels like interior of a carnival funhouse in a weird way. I feel like Tuvok seeing his reflection does give him the resolve not to reply to the BQ in his DMs. I had an unusual experience watching this scene, having not seen any Star Trek really past this and only seeing Star Trek Picard after this, because I thought the central plexus that they were going to was that room that Seven entered on that other Borg's cube in Star Trek Picard and then jacked herself in. Yeah. So I was really... Like looking around, making sure a Borg's queen wouldn't drop in out of out of somewhere, because like this felt like that kind of chamber it did. in the ship. But I didn't have anything like that to worry about. They just took a panel off of a thing. Yeah, and uh, that's where they deploy the virus. Tom Silva, when he dug out the windowsill planter at that one house in Detroit. <laughs> uh, what we got here in the corner is rot. <laughs> So much rot. (laughs) That guy hates when a building hasn't accounted for water flow. I know. Nothing he hates more. Back on Voyager, look at him. Look at him. Chakotay's the captain now. And he's like all the way up in the ready room. Like he's made himself at home there when Paris walks in. Nobody had to tell him that's his chair. Yeah. (laughs) He knew. I think that might be a Mayquise thing. Mayquise? 
<laughs> Pears is in there worried about the now two and a half hours that have gone by without hearing from the Dustbuster Club when the doctor only recommended two. If a doctor says something is only supposed to last two hours max, yeah, it's kind of an emergency situation if it's more than that. How long? A day? A week? I lasted 22 minutes. Paris sort of giving I miss my girlfriend in this scene, but also... No one believes that. Yeah, and also like... um maybe a little bit big for his britches now that he got his half a pit back because he's like, I've just done some back-of-the-envelope math and now that I'm the first officer of the ship, it is my duty to opine about that booty. And my opinion is we need to get them the fuck out of there. Did you feel a little bit of those vibes of Riker being on the pach? Like maybe because this is a a Maquis commanded ship, Paris can saunter in there and maybe uh, grab him by the lapels, give him a oh, little yeah. bit of a shaking. If Paris wants to be the captain, all he needs to do is pummel Chicote until he's completely covered in Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, this opinion is not solicited at all. And when Chicote says no, they both stand up and do that face-to-face thing. A first officer could get in a lot of trouble for talking to his captain that way. Well, I've learned from the best. I really like this moment because it's kind of a dynamic that has happened between Chakotay and Janeway a few times over the course of the series where it's like, I really need you to, like, not undermine me here. I need you to be, like, a thousand percent team the ship on this one. And... I think Paris takes that note a little bit more easily than Chakotay has traditionally. What do you understand the crew's knowledge of Chakotay's crush to be? Because this sort of felt like a girlfriend measuring contest. Like Paris walks in there and he's like, that's my girlfriend out there. You got to save her. And for Chakotay to not betray at all that, yeah, you know, I've got a special lady out there myself that I'm also... (laughs) pretty bummed about like that's not a part of the subtext here at all is it no i don't think it is yeah i I don't think they're really writing toward that i think that's too bad yeah because at this moment in time in star trek voyager chakotay his bathtub's destroyed (laughs) i know you don't want to do it do it Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. The virus has been inserted into the central plexus, and the EMH lets them know about that. He can, I guess, tell from what's going on inside Tuvok's brain guts. Or is it just that he's noticing that the Borg Queen is sliding into the DMs a lot in Tuvok's brain guts? It's so hard to know, right? Yeah. Anyways, they got to go catch up to the beef cube. And it sort of seems like it may be too late for Tuvok because he starts speaking with the voice of the BQ and then like tons of Borg's drones start chasing the captain and VLT. It's been long enough that the shields are back up all over the ship, especially in the central plexus. So they can't just beam everyone back out. It's hard because there's so many drones and so few... On the Dustbuster Club. I mean, they're surrounded pretty fast. And when they lose Tuvok here to the voices, I mean, he's he's physically in the way. 
the way they sur- surround Janeway in the end kind of feels like a bunch of schoolyard bullies like group ganging up on her. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe the scariest moment of either episode is when Tuvok turns. Yeah. I feel like that could also be a good a good halfway mark. I mean, I know yeah. that we're like halfway into this episode now, but I feel like they had other better options for where to put the cliff. Tuvok's affected speech anyway as a Falcon is, I feel like, very close to what Borg speak is anyway. It's a little less jarring yeah. when he fully turns, right? Yeah. So th- this is revealed to the queen that everything is going down on the beef cube. And so the beef cube starts shooting Voyager and fucking shit up. Why are there shields down? Like, this is a major emergency. Like, you do not want to be around the beef cube with your shields down. And that's because someone threw an entire shoe store at Voyager before the Borgs fires at them. Yeah. Hence the word sabotage. And it's at this point, like, knowing that they have no shields, Chakotay orders the ship around. And we know at this point that the Borgs have their access codes thanks to Tuvok. You know what would have been great? How about changing those codes before the Dustbuster Club goes over on this mission? They should have changed the codes. That is low-hanging fruit, security-wise. I think you gotta know what the dangers are, and that is maybe the most obvious, is all of the life experience of all of these three crew people could be compromised. You gotta change the codes. Yeah. Chakotay, his bathtub's used by someone else. But then we cut back to the queen, and she is very scared because she starts to feel all of her thousands of drones that have the Unimatrix virus slip away. The virus is working. This is great, right? Anthony Fauci in March of 2020. (laughs) One of them is right there in the room with her. I love when this guy like makes a lunge for her and just like bonks his head on her force field. <laughs> you had to see that coming, right, man? Yeah. Yeah, pretty dumb. Yeah. Do you feel like I think this is true, right? Most Borgs are pretty dumb. Yeah, they don't they're not like assimilating for the intellectual elites of societies. They're just they're they're just scraping people up off of uh, the surface of planets, you know? Yeah. They're just taking what they can get. Yeah. So Janeway, under arrest, gets like put on a charging mat surrounded by a force field and scanned. And she materializes as a hollow in the queen's chamber. That like phone booth thing that she was standing in really reminded me of the thing on the entrepreneur that they had Hugh in. Oh yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, good call. It didn't look it, it looked more federation-y in design than Borgy to me. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've reviewed season one of Star Trek Prodigy over on our hit Star Trek podcast, Greatest Trek. Did you know that Hologram Janeway was invented right here on Star Trek Voyager? That is amazing. It's really you. I mean, me. I did not consider that. Yeah. The queen starts doing her, this is all your fault routine. Like the the dead drone is there and she blames his death on Janeway, starts, you know, making a pitch that Janeway needs to help the Borg Queen defeat Unimatrix Zero. 
or it's going to be real bad for her. Some elegant cutting here back and forth from original flavor Janeway to Janeway Borgs and back and forth in this scene, right? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Interesting the way like her physicality changes between those because she's like she's real stiff as a drone. And then Queen starts showing her like cubes and spheres that she is self-destructing at a thought, uh, taking out tens of thousands of drones because, you know, two or three Unimatrix Zero drones are among them. And this is like, this is the stakes. Like Janeway can can help or the Borg Queen can keep uh, eliminating them. Or if Janeway resists, she's like, I'll just go assimilate Voyager and I'll get the doctor and we'll get the information about the virus you uploaded into the collective from him and reverse engineer it. Jigsaw's victim, when the trap was set, Janeway replies that uh, Chakotay has orders to erase the doctor should the Borgs get close to doing that. We cut over to the doctor who's like breaking the fourth wall. What? (laughs) Why wasn't I told about this? This is classic uh, hostage-taking behavior, right? Like, the queen is shooting hostages here until she gets what she wants. Yeah. I mean, we we were told that this is like cutting off a limb for the Borgs, though. Yeah. So she's just like chopping thousands and thousands of fingers off to make her point. The queen wants Janeway to negotiate on her behalf. And Janeway's like, why don't you go yourself to Unimatrix Zero? And the queen isn't trying to hear that. She's very busy with her mass murder. Yeah. I mean, this gives Janeway a good moment of taunting her. You know, like, what are you afraid of? There's coffee in that taste of individuality. And back on Voyager 7 reports to the bridge, which is in pretty bad shape. Lots of smoke. And they do a great job with, like, a, a handheld camera that's, like, swinging back and forth frantically it's a very like er the television show kind Mm. of style of camera work in this scene which i thought was good to establish what an emergency voyager was in like yeah in a a kind of a new way for this show i mean speaking of metaphor like the patient is the ship here yeah and the ship is not doing well at all it's really fucked up chakotay is trying to get the ship back in the fight but he needs seven to get back to sleep (laughs) It's got to be such a bummer for her. Like, this is a tactically significant situation, and the best thing she can do is leave the bridge and go back to the alcove. Yeah. That's got to suck to hear. So the doctor is helping tuck her in, and I guess, I don't know why he's scanning her, but he's talking to her about the situation with Axum. He also knows that Seven and Axum had a thing, I think uh, Picardo's performance here is really great because it really rides the line of like him giving good advice, but also betraying to camera that he is a little bit jealous of Axum. Yeah, I mean, the Doctor in Love with Seven was a storyline bell that got rung many, many times, several seasons ago. This is a good reminder that he still has those feelings, clearly, but... Like the needlepoint says, he loves her enough to let her go. Yeah. He kind of pitches her on, like, maybe explore this thing with Axum because, you know, you're getting good enough at humaning here on the ship to maybe start trying that in your real life. Maybe uh, 
if it seems cool, if he seems like the right one, you know, maybe go for it. It's only a dream, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter anyway, right? <laughs> so he uh, he tucks her and gives her a tender kiss on the forehead goodnight. And uh, she slips off to sleep. And the doctor, like Chakotay with a pencil in his fist. Indeed. Do hollow pencils snap the same way? Mm. I've got to get that platinum. Get that roll enlargement. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Good now. Are you planning a heist? Gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back in Unimatrix Zero, Axum is halfway through a halftime speech. He's telling the group about uh, all the ships that have been self-destructed. What's their plan going to be? It's to go to the primary unicomplex where the queen is. Like, their counterparts on the ships need to rise up and form a resistance and take that resistance right to the unicomplex. And Seven's like, well, what about the away team? Can they be rescued? I know, I know we're, we're thinking big picture here, but like those three folks are really important to me. Yeah. And Karak does not want to hear any part of this. He's like, I don't know if you've heard, but like tens of thousands <laughs> of us are dying as the Borg's queen lays waste to us. I think your three people are a pretty okay sacrifice. They fought like warriors. Their sacrifice will not be forgotten. It might be a good time to remember the needs of the many concept. He really does not want to wait for Voyager or help from them, but Axum kind of does. And uh, when the meeting breaks up, Seven thanks Axum for kind of writing for her, and they get to talking. And now that he can remember Unimatrix Zero when he wakes up and his life as a Borgs when he comes to Unimatrix Zero, he has found out that he is on a ship on the opposite side of the galaxy, uh, nowhere near the uh, the middle of the fighting, and he feels real bad about that. Axum, the Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> He's like thinking of ways that he could maybe help anyways, and one idea he has is try to invite Species 42069 to join the war. That is some messy shit when your civil war turns into something where like another country's army is is coming in and, and helping out, right? Axum, is this your idea of love? <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy scene because I think they both know that like whatever hope they had for meeting in real life, it's not going to happen. Yeah. You're too far away. The mention of fluidic space, though, is enough to get them both pretty cranked up and they assimilate those lips yeah speaking of fluidic space check out that basement (laughs) what changed exactly to you in the axum seven relationship nice scene and all but wasn't exactly clear on on why the 180 seven has here Is it just the doctor giving her the nudge? Well, that's what I was going to say is like, is it people constantly getting up in her business and suggesting that she go for it? That doesn't feel right. That's like taking away her agency. Yeah. People just want to picture her doing it. Yeah. 
Later on in the daytime, a couple of kids are crawling around on the ground in Unimatrix Zero, and one of them crawls right into the queen. Newt, when that bitch wouldn't get away from her. (laughs) I gotta say, the queen is a pretty persuasive advocate for assimilation here. You like having friends, don't you? Assimilation turns us all into friends. And there's something about the way she shot. Like, it's funny. She's in a home and garden center set situation that is shot with that green gel because she's in it. And so it really, like, as green as everything else is, she is especially green. And that catch light is doing so much work in her eyes. It really makes her look, uh, like, beautiful and magical in this moment. And, like, for a little kid, I think, uh, like, really persuasive and interesting. Because the little kid is scared of getting assimilated. He doesn't realize that he is, is in fact, assimilated and he's right. in a maturation chamber. So he's uh, scared of the whole thing and... She gets to kind of like pitch him on becoming a Borg from the Borg perspective. What would you think about working and living with your friends and family all the time? (laughs) Now, you recruit 64,000 drones and then each of them recruits 64,000 drones. (laughs) It's what you call downline. And I'm at the top of the pyramid and you'd be right under me. There is no pyramid, though. It's like the queen and one straight line underneath her (laughs) that's like a billion people long. The flattest pyramid in the universe. It's double level marketing. Yeah. (laughs) The idea that being in a hive mind is fun is great. And I would like to see more about that in particular. Yeah. I mean, that's really the queen's deal. Like throughout this episode, right up until the end is like, can we convince these people to come back? Yeah. She, she's never had to ask before. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. That's tough when you turn that corner. Mm. This kid is going to give away the whole bag, though. Like, he takes her to the bluff where you can look down over the whole bay. Seems bad. The queen is a little put off by this. She's like, isn't this make-out point at <laughs> Unimatrix Zero? What are you doing? You're like a kid in love with their teacher. Yeah, I am not an age-appropriate yeah. person for you to be making out with, young man. You know, we should really, like, find a chaperone or two for this moment. <laughs> we cut from here right back into the Unicomplex, where the queen is fresh from this mission. She reports back to Janeway about what she's experienced there. The big takeaway? Not impressed. It's like an all-inclusive resort. But when you think about it, if the food and bev that's included isn't that great, is it really that good of a deal to begin with? Yeah, I guess not. She's seen their, you know, end of predator traps. She's seen their Rambo traps. She doesn't doesn't see it as that good. What she is impressed by is something that she shows hologram Janeway, which is the reverse engineered nanovirus, which has now been tweaked to specifically target the drones that have been uh, going to Unimatrix Zero. So she can kind of genocide all of the, all of the people that she uh, has as enemies. But it's, there's a catch, and Janeway points this out, which is that they are now separated from the hive mind. So they're air-gapped. You can't upload the virus to them. Right. And the queen is like, well, that's cool. I'll just go to Unimatrix Zero and release it myself. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
I'll go find another couple of kids to show me around. They love me. Or Janeway can go and get them to rejoin willingly. So it's the Borg Queen is saying, I will kill them, or you can get them to rejoin the collective. Those are the two options. You think that's never going to happen until we cut over to Voyager, where a lot of the systems are back online. They got warp drive sensors, WEPs. We got to have WEPs. He's the key. But like one aspect of this scene that I think really demonstrates how desperate they are is we've got Neelix at a bridge station. And uh, I just don't know how you're going to fight any sort of battle with that guy Yeah, on your bridge, right? Yeah, he's in the uh, Tasha Yar 7 of 9 position. Yeah. One of our more interesting missions. The doc tells Chakotay that the Borgs are sending a hollow signal over, and if you want to watch it, you got to come over to 6-Bay to watch it. And there's hollow Janeway. Yeah, right there in 6-Bay. This is the reason why the Queen preserved her appearance for this moment, right? Because I got to believe if they hollow projected Borg's Janeway, this conversation would have gone a lot differently, right? Oh, yeah. Chakotay would have whipped out his phaser and smoked a hole in the bio bed behind her. Chakotay rounds the corner and is confronted with uh, Borg's Janeway. And Janeway's like, did it move? Did it move when you saw me? Chakotay, is this your idea of sex? I can't get in a bathtub with all this stuff. Half of it is very sensitive electronic equipment. (laughs) Weird scene because Kate Mulgrew plays it so down the middle. Like, very matter of fact. Look, this mission as you know it is over. We got to make sure that innocent Borgs don't get killed anymore. I'm ordering you, stop the mission. We got to prepare these free drones for reassimilation so that this virus isn't released into Unimatrix Zero. At least they'll survive as drones, says Janeway. Yuck. (laughs) What kind of life is that? That's terrible. I really like the have I made myself clear, Commander, because that's like the the only hint that you get at the subterfuge that's going on here. Yeah. And like the doctor doesn't pick up on it. Like nobody nobody but Chakotay picks up on it. Seven of Nine is like, you're just going to go along with this? That's the, oh, I'm so clumsy moment of this episode, right? Whenever a commanding officer says that, You know something's a little off. Yeah, yeah. He read between the pips. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in. Go down with the ship and do it. Do it. What Janeway was really saying is, since Unimatrix Zero could no longer exist, we just have to end Unimatrix Zero. That's, at this point, the only vulnerability that these drones have to the virus that the Queen has made. At this point in the episode, things move really fast. Yeah. I would argue maybe even too fast, because at this moment in time, I was like, well, what do we have available to us on Voyager? I mean, we've got hollow matrices. You got a hollow deck. I was thinking at this point, were they going to host Unimatrix Zero? Oh, man. (laughs) Like, my my imagination really went into some crazy places. But yeah. You barely get any time to think about this because a banger gets dropped and out from a transwarp conduit comes a sphere. And you think maybe Voyager has been caught with its uh, its pants down, but no. It's General Korok on screen, captain of this sphere, and he's ready to fight as allies. 
Gandalf when he showed up with the rest of the Rohirrim on that hill. That's it exactly. He's like, yeah, let's do this, baby. And he looks awesome as hell. He really does. We've seen so few Borged Klingons, but they're just my favorite kind of Borgs. Do you think that first episode with the Borg's children struggling to control their own ship did anything to dissuade you about our newly freed Borgs being able to do that? Or did that read into your viewing at all? That didn't bother me because I figured that a big part of what they were struggling with was just not being fully matured and therefore not knowing things that a drone would know. I didn't totally get how Korok had like liberated an entire ship, though. Right. I mean, maybe he's just a great leader. Is that the effect of the virus or something? I think the, the virus just spreads and spreads. Yeah, I guess it must be. We cut over to the ass lab where Seven is kind of working on something. Something I couldn't really figure out at this point. But then when we cut over to Korok's ship, we see that very same graphic playing on his screen. Yeah. This is the frequency that the signal for Unimatrix Zero broadcasts on. And if you remember the frequency that the Borg Queen had a terrible time figuring out what it was in the last episode, but Seven of Nine figures it out really quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds great. We see the Sphere and Voyager roll up on the Beef Cube, and they both have like really glowy parts. Yeah. They look awesome. They start licking shots and like the people in Unimatrix Zero start getting ready for their fight and the, I guess it's the deflector array on the Voyager and then something similar on the sphere and it starts to sort of dissolve Unimatrix Zero. So you see everybody in Unimatrix Zero start to disappear and Axum seems like he's the only one left. Please Axum, don't hurt him. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Mm. He's like the last to leave a sinking ship. Yeah. He's the captain of Unimatrix Zero, I guess. Yeah. So uh, Janeway explains to the queen just how her downfall is taking place now. Watch your future's end. (laughs) And the, uh, the Sphere and Voyager attack the beef cube. This is when we finally catch up with BLT, who we really haven't seen much of for this whole episode, but she is slinking around the beef cube. She's throwing shoes all over the place. She's doing great. The machines, when the wooden shoes got in the gears. Hence the word sabotage. There's like a tipping point here where all of BLTQ's work (laughs) starts to pay off, right? Yeah, but Axum is still in Unimatrix Zero. And so Annika has to run back in and meet up with him. No time to fuck. (laughs) They're on that hillside looking at the all-inclusive resort below, just on fire. Everything's on fire. She's got regrets about how she spent their last days. She regrets not coming around to the idea of an Axum 7 relationship until now. And they don't really have a lot of time to litigate this. Yeah. He promises to find her, but I think neither of them really buy that. Slightly less convincing than the Daniel Day-Lewis stay alive, I will find you from Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> like it's not quite as charged as that. Yeah, yeah. 
She's like, maybe you should just try to get something going with Species 4 2069. <laughs> I don't think a long distance thing is for me. Maybe they can satisfy you. <laughs> Finally, the queen orders the beef cube to self-destruct. And the Dustbuster Club is being back just in time. And James Franco at the end of 127 hours. <laughs> How much more of this moment did you want? This is another part that compares with Best of Both Worlds in an interesting way. Like One of the most affecting parts of Best of Both Worlds is when you get Locutus off of the Borg ship and back onto the Enterprise and how awful it looks. Like, it, he looks at home on the Borg's queue, but once he's back on the Enterprise, it, like, the feeling is so gross when he returns yeah. in an effective way. I wanted more than a second on the transporter pad with the three main characters of this show. Like, I wanted them to limp to Six Bay I wanted to feel bad for them for this moment, but we cut out of here so fast and into a passage of time into Six Bay that like, you don't really get any time to feel. And Janeway is the only one that's up and she seems like the most unfazed. Like she's complaining about being in discomfort, but they didn't do that. Like, like when they are unborgsing Picard, there's like a couple of phases of the makeup that they went through. Like, there's like mid Borgs and mostly D Borgs, but kind of geometric scarring. And then like, finally like totally unborgs. And she just looks like she's got like a little bit of gray bruising around her temples, you know? It'll be a while before I'm playing hoverball again. I mean, even more than the, the physical trauma, like the emotional trauma is totally gone from this moment. Like, the Borgs haunt you. The experience of being assimilated should haunt you, even though even though none of them had, had gone all the way. Like, who knows this better than Seven? And for Janeway to just have, like, a normal conversation with Seven about her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. I didn't love that. How'd they all get their hair back? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great question. <laughs> With Picard, it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> So much of the doctor's time is spent just waving a light on those scalps. (laughs) And then he like tries it on himself and it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, right, right. Hologram. Yeah. Yeah. If there was ever a time when you thought Chakotay would have a chance with Janeway, remind them of today. (laughs) Because you got Janeway convalescing here and he's nowhere to be seen. I understand why... Like, on the page, you need things tied up between Seven and Janeway. But God, if there was ever any hope of a Chakotay-Janeway thing, it would be in this moment, right? And that he's gone, I think, finally just puts the nail in the coffin of whatever future they might have. I felt his absence utterly here. Did you? I missed him in the scene for sure. Yeah. But uh, I thought that the the little wrap-up with... Janeway and Seven was was really nice. And uh, I like the end of this episode, but I want to know if you liked this episode overall. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. It was so hard not to compare it with Best of Both Worlds. And I think, unfortunately, it grades out as less than in in like every category that matters, you know? 
it just felt too clean at the end. I wanted there to be some some trauma for a very traumatic moment. Yeah. And like, even on down to seven at the end, she's like hopeful. And Janeway is optimistic about, you know, Karak and the Borg's resistance being future allies. Like, I don't know. It's okay not to have an ending that's tied up perfectly. And I think I just was disappointed with how neatly this resolved. Nothing wrong with any of the performances. The story itself, I thought, was was pretty good and interesting. But, like, my main problem with any episode I have a problem with is is mostly going to have to do with, like, did it go hard enough? Did it make me feel enough? And for an episode featuring an enemy that is so able to inflict damage in, in so many ways, to just come away so clean at the end, didn't feel quite right to me. What about you? So calf, his eyes uncovered. Good points, Adam. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Overall, I think it's maybe a more impressive episode if you kind of edit it a little bit differently. Like, I think that there's something really cool about the kind of self-conscious choice to make a, like, this is the best of both worlds Voyager style like this hits so different from the way it hits in TNG. Yeah. And I think that's in large part because of what a different set of circumstances the Voyager crew find themselves in. Like the second an idea came up to with Janeway to spark a civil war within the Borg continuum, if that had been presented to Picard, he would have had to like run it up the flagpole to command to see if they approve of the plan or whatever or you know decided against it and catch a ton of shade from Shelby later but isn't this kind of a a retread of of the decent two-parter in TNG like there was a faction of rogue borgs yeah and and they didn't do shit well yeah they got i mean they got kind of in the thrall of a cult leader yeah so saying axum doesn't have that kind of charisma He's no lore. <laughs> but yeah, like I think that um, this episode is very successful in certain aspects of it, but overall didn't quite hang together for me. So yeah, I agree. It's kind of kind of a mid-Star Trek Voyager episode in my opinion. Well, fortunately, we've got 25 more episodes this season to redeem season seven, Ben. <laughs> I like our chances. Hey, that's great. Let's get into it, but uh, but first, let's get into that Priority One inbox. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, we've got a couple of promotional Priority One messages here. Here's the first one. Has this ever happened to you? You buy a P1 at a live show. The one with the whales. You're leaving a sweet message for your wife, but she's weirded out because all she hears is words of love coming from another man. (laughs) (laughs) Then you find out that for anybody who supports the expert Shimoda family of products by going to MaximumFun.org slash join, can hear that embarrassment on blast in the bonus feed, and then you didn't even get your 
the boy drop to support your impending son? Has this ever happened to you? <laughs> Call me right now, please. Hey, I love the reference there by Matt Hackman. I mean, it sounds like Matt Hackman has dealt with marital strains caused by this show on the level that Adam and I have. So, uh, Matt's only message is to support our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Pretty great. Pretty selfless. Yeah. There by Matt. Matt is truly sharing his embarrassment and growing stronger for the sharing. <laughs> Adam, our next Priority One message is also of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Friends of DeSoto, are you not at all embarrassed to want art and stuff with art on it? My art is inspired by pop culture, cute dogs, being part of the LGBTQ plus community, and my weird nerd thoughts. FODs save 20% off everything plus free shipping at anarchy.com using code FOD2023. And uh, anarchy is spelled A-N-N-E-A-R-C-H-Y, anarchy.com. Support an independent artist family outside of the pockets of Big Rod and get some fun art for yourself or as gifts for the Janeway to your Chakotay. Special shout out to the tremendous FODs on Mastodon and Discord. Once again, that's FOD2023 is the code to get special discounts at anarchy.com. I just love the name Anarchy. Yeah. That's like a roller derby name. It's great. That is exactly the same thought I had. I'm looking at the shop here on anarchy.com, and uh, this stuff is beautiful. Anarchy's making all kinds of cool stuff. Like custom cards, you know, like uh, like greeting cards, stickers, pins, buttons. Oh yeah, I like the layout of the store. This is big fun and really great drawings. I'm in the drawing section. Love it. Yeah, get up in the shop. Yeah. You know what's really nice is receiving a card that is clearly not from a drugstore. You know. <laughs> I know. Like, and that's what a site like Anarchy.com gives you. It's like the the opportunity to get some greeting cards yeah. for all sorts of occasions that you would never be able to find anywhere else. Nobody else at the birthday party is going to have given a card from Anarchy.com. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for two promotional Priority One messages there. Big, big support from a couple of FODs. You can take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where your personal and Priority One messages go a long way in helping us pay for this production. Hey, Adam. Step in. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Whoever's decision it was not to change the codes after <laughs> the captain of your ship is over there? Yeah. They were hoping that the head of security and the captain would be like, I forgot how the codes go. Outrageous. Like, I really wish that was part of the con. Like, yeah, they're going to think they have the codes, but they're the wrong codes. Like, to use that against them, mm. I think would have made some sense. But this is all knowledge Starfleet has had since Locutus. Yeah, whoever was responsible for that. Let's, it's Janeway, right? Who else should know? Who else would know? The buck stops with Janeway, but Tuvok should have made a note before he left, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe the buck falls to Chakotay. Like, he's the captain of the ship now. Change the codes. It's within his power to do it. 
you telling me they're not using a, a, a password saver? It's not, it's not a huge involved thing to change some passwords. Mm-hmm, You're just copying mm-hmm. and pasting anyway. Right. Come on. That's mine. Who's yours? Mine is uh, Neelix just for being a bridge officer all of a sudden. I just, I just laughed when we started cutting up to the bridge and it was Neelix going like, I've, I've got them on the scanner. <laughs> I was like, what? Since when? The desperation of a Neelix on the bridge <laughs> is such a tone setter. Yeah. Yeah. Why not like uh, that nice Bajoran lady that's bad at math? Like, put her in the in the episode again. You know? Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> Adam, let me tell you about next week's episode of Star Trek Voyager. It's called Season Seven, Episode Two: Imperfection. A malfunction in Seven's cortical node threatens to destroy her. Does that mean like physically destroy or like in the in the like getting her reputation ruined sense? <laughs> That's a really fun take. Yeah. The malfunction in her cortical node has her like tossing racial slurs around a little bit too liberally. <laughs> she makes a scene at Neelix's mess hall. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone sees it. Oh man. Come on, Seven. You can't act like that. <laughs> she totally brandos up on the recharge mat in the cargo bay and the kids won't let it go. I bet. Two Starfleet officers with juvenile imaginations. Come on, Tuvok. Ben, I'm over at the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker, where we got to figure out how we're going to watch the next episode. Today, a very special His Eyes Uncovered episode. A couple squares ahead, we got a banger. What does that do? I think that bangs us back five squares. Yeah. Memory serves. Five squares back from a banger is a regular old episode. I think that's, those are our only options. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, Ben, I've got the the die in my hands. Here's the roll. Ben, I've rolled a one. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Okay. Put this on square 22. It's a regular old episode. Gratefully. No Tamarian phrases will be said. Unless we really want to say them. We can say them at any time. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, it's our show. I mean, it isn't just our show, Ben. It's made possible by so many folks. Yeah, it sort of belongs to to the FODs, really. Especially those who support it, either by going to MaximumFun.org slash join, or grabbing something from podshop.biz, or... Even just recommending it on social media or leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts, getting the word out there, all of those things uh, help us a ton and uh, and are the reason we keep doing this thing. Yeah, in, in this season of thanks, just want to thank everyone who's who's done their part in either getting the word out or supporting the show. It really makes this thing happen. I'm thankful for Wendy Pretty, the producer and editor of this fine program puts up with a lot of our bullshit and uh, makes the show sound so good and uh, gets it to you on time every week. Come hell or high water, she's the best. The track you're hearing by Dark Materia, we go way back with this piece of audio. But the theme and interstitial music for the last several seasons of Greatest Gen made by Adam Ragusea, one of the best in the biz at what he does, which is... Videos about cooking, not just cooking, videos about all kinds of things. It's really kind of spread out. Yeah. 
into a variety of interests and subjects. Uh, really worth your time to see what he's cooking up on video over there. Yeah, just search Adam Ragusi on YouTube. You won't regret it. Got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who's uh, helping us out with our social media accounts at Greatest Trek all over the place. Join a group of friends at DeSoto, drunkshimoto.com for Discord people, Greatest Gen groups on Facebook and Reddit, and uh, just uh, great groups all the way around. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where... Yeah, our reputations probably aren't going to be great after this either. Hmm. Ominous. Well, hold on. I got a metaphor to slide in here. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.